We've made it to hump day. Here we are. Hey, Denise, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. Let's get this show rolling. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Is this thing working? Make sure you hit that like button. Share. Follow with all your friends. And go on. If you go on Rumble or YouTube, subscribe. That really helps us a lot. Thank you very much. So we are going to start with... The Michigan primary, as expected, as we knew, Donald Trump trounced Nikki Haley again. She's what now? Zero and four, zero and five. <laughs> I don't Something. Know if she's O. She's O. <laughs> Did she even win a county last night? Um, I think maybe didn't we talk about one county that had nineteen people vote? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't think so. She, yeah. she's not winning anything. No, and he beat her resoundingly again. What? The sixty-seven point two percent to twenty-seven. Yeah, you're gonna hear in the news. Oh, there is twenty-seven percent of Republicans that do not want President Trump. <laughs> you're gonna hear it. You're gonna hear it. These people, there are there are Republicans still out there yeah. that don't want President Trump. They don't want him. But you know what? In order to save the country, they would vote for him. Oh, you know over it. Biden. Oh, you so know I don't want to hear that crap. At all. Here, President Trump came out with a statement this morning. He said, Haley got trounced last night, losing the great state of Michigan by over 42 points. Looking forward to Super Tuesday, where she is doing even worse, if that's possible. I'm leading every every state by over 60 points. People don't like her, and they know, as per the polls, that she can't beat Biden or any Democrat. (laughs) He talks so much shit. He does talk shit. (laughs) Not he only not only does he announce that she lost, he tells us how much she lost by. He not only tells us that, he goes, hey, and as it keeps on going, I'm just going to keep beating her. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's by hilarious. a lot, by yeah. 60 points. Yeah. She can't beat a Democrat at all. And then he reminds her, he reminds her and everybody else, people don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't call her bird brain. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding, That's man. so funny. Yeah, but I guess as we talk about it, we got to remind you, too, because we keep pounding this point. Early voting still going on, at least until, what, Friday? Friday, March 1st. Friday, March 1st. So get out and vote. Vote early as you can to bank your vote. This election cycle, early voting is different, though, because our legislatures made new laws starting this year. Did you guys know? Did you even know that the early voting was different? They didn't really advertise a whole lot. They just like early voting, but it's actually 12 hours a day. I mean, that's a long time. But Governor Abbott signed into law in June of 2023 at um, HB 1217. It's a new law that keeps early voting for two solid weeks. That's through Saturday and Sunday. And um, it's 12 hours a day. And in this one small town, they're so upset about this new bill. Throwing a fit. They're throwing there. a fit. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that white rule, right? They even, <laughs> That's hilarious, James. Yep. That's funny. By the way, y'all watch yesterday's, listen to yesterday's show. That was hilarious. Talking about all that, and it was all day long. But the, these, these poor people in Wood County Election Office. So we had this article from KLTV out of Tyler. 
talking about these people in Quitman, Texas. And they said only a few days are left for early voting in the March primary election. For some smaller counties, this election is the first time they've added extra hours and days. One of those locations is the Wood County Election Office, which is now extending its early voting hours. This is part of a new law, the one I just discussed, that makes counties with a population of 55,000 or less add extra days and hours. Now, why 55,000 or less? Does 55,000 and up already have this law? I don't know, and, and I was thinking that as you as you read that, mm. yeah, it would make more sense for a bigger population to have more time, not the smaller counties. I know. Yeah, I don't understand think. that. But in quotes, this uh, Laura Wise, election administrator of Wood County, said, it is a big deal for our small county. We had to bring in several additional poll workers for early voting. And then, then they go on to say, this location normally has 8 to 10 people working, but now they have more than 20 poll workers. Laura says that these extra hours are taking a toll on their funds. And another thing that I thought of when I was reading this article is, how come they didn't give the, give them these small counties funds for this? Well, Why did they have to take on well, they, all, the, all this? What they're saying is they had funds for 8 to 10. Exactly. That they, was their they, budget. They should have okay. given them a bigger budget, you would think. Yeah, but you know yourself you're running on last year's budget. Yes. So that's yeah. why this, this election cycle, they're not going to have it. You know, but, but then again, too, if you've got 8 to 10 people, then. They, had to, they now have 20. Yeah. So that's see. extra money. Where's that funds coming from? Where are they going to get it from? Right. It was unfunded by the state. It's huge on our budget being a small county, she said. Besides extra costs, they're getting adjusted to being open on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, people don't work around here on Sunday in in the little well, rural they counties. Do. They do. But well, they, well, you know what I mean. They don't go to they go ne- to church. You never see stuff like this no, open on a Sunday. not on a Sunday. I would have never. I, I never I, thought to go vote on Sunday, did you? No, because I always have assumed they were closed yeah but it goes on to say it's just new to us we've never done that before said laura we did we did have concerned voters asking us why are you open on sunday well they weren't too concerned if they showed up on sunday to vote i guess on this last week of early voting they must remain open for 12 hours monday through saturday she says it's just getting harder to find people that want to work like that 12 hours is a day a, a day is hard the majority of our workers are retired, 65 and up, said Laura. Poll workers are vital, and this is so true. Poll workers are vital for elections to take place. Brenda Hunter, a deputy clerk in this location, has been working in elections for decades. We do everything pertaining to voting. Most poll workers only get paid $12 an hour, regardless of their experience. Even so, she feels her role is important. Yeah, she, she goes on to talk about her role in that. She goes, my parents and my grandparents were always big stressors on the right to vote. It's very important that we should exercise it, and I'm just following in a family tradition, said Brenda. That's also the case for Sarah Phillips, who's been working in elections for almost 20 years. She said, my mother never missed working at the polls. When she was a poll worker, she instilled that in us, said Sarah. And then they go on to say, this little sentence right here, they had to put in there, this new law aims to give voters in rural areas more opportunities to vote. That right there. You know, I don't, I don't understand that, where that came from. 
Because honestly, we know when voting day is in the rural side and the rural areas. And those and those polling places are easy to get to. They're they're never crowded. Yes, especially in a county. I mean, they make it sound like we have crowded in a county of fifty five thousand or less. I mean, yeah, you could probably handle all your early voting in a couple of days. Yes, you know. (laughs) I mean, if you want to do early voting, you know, do maybe Monday through Friday. Well, uh, the one week. You know how it is. We go in there to, to do early vote, and I guarantee you we're going to go in there today. Yes, we're going to go vote today. And I guarantee you there won't there won't be nobody but me, you, one other person, and the poll workers. That's it. it, it because that's just how it is. You've seen the numbers of early voting. Mm-hmm. There's 17 million registered voters, and as of last week, 3% voted. Yes. You know, so that was only, was it just a couple hundred thousand, maybe? I think it was Four hundred thousand. Okay. Yeah, about four hundred sixty-nine thousand. I think is kind of what it was. I, Throughout I the whole posted. state. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout yeah. the whole state, Republicans. That's just Republicans. So, this is crazy. We're going to see if uh, maybe Governor Abbott and our legislators well will do something to help these people out. Well, let's see if their voter participation increases. Let's see if it does. Yeah. That's and, that and, would be very good to keep an eye on. And, and that is kind of of a concern. I understand why they're doing it because it is a concern for a lot of people. A lot of people might work till five thirty. And then and you it, got you and, have people that are sick or, you know, in wheelchairs that might need help and it is it does get kind of hard yeah. on that one day. Well then think about this think about this too. In a rural area, you live outside the city and in a county as small as fifty five thousand then I guarantee you, you're, you're making a good commute, you know, to go yes. to work. So if you get off at 530 and the polls are closing, you can't go vote. I get that, man. That does give you an extra time to go vote. I understand that. Let's see. And like I said, maybe let's see if the participation numbers go up. Go up. Yeah. If it did, then this is a good bill. It is because it, you know, gives people you, say, you, hey, oh, yeah, it's voting. Let me go ahead and get that out of the way before yeah. Tuesday. And the problem that they're experiencing here, like I said, probably is because the fact that you, this year you're operating on last year's budget. So last year, if they didn't see this coming and they fixed their budget based on eight yes. to ten poll workers, I can understand why they're struggling. I'm pretty sure it's more than one. One county? One oh, county. Yeah, I'm definitely. pretty sure. That I was, bet that you Dabo here where we're at, I bet you they're not prepared for it either. Probably we so. We could actually ask them. Yeah. We're going to check into that and see how our county's doing yeah. and how our, our little town. Yep. But we're going to move on here to the big four. Had their meeting yesterday. We told, we told you they were going to have a meeting. McConnell, Johnson, Schumer. And Jeffries. And Jeffries. But they all met with Biden yesterday. And it seems that it got pretty heated. And it says here, um, I'm reading out of The Hill. Three of Congress's top four leaders had a loud and unified message for Speaker Mike Johnson. When they met with the Biden White House on Tuesday, ignore the pressure from conservative critics and avoid a government shutdown on Friday is what is said in the article. Yeah, that was their unified message. Their unified message. And then it goes on to say. Don't give a damn what they say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, when they know what we're all saying. Yeah, the three that are against Johnson. Poor Johnson goes in there. You know, he's like shaking in his boots, man. Oh, yeah. I would be. Well, with he's, these three powerful men. Ah, they ain't powerful. <laughs> the The thing is, he's the They outside. make them sound like they are. Yeah, he's outside the group. That's yeah. all that that amounts to. He is outside the group, you know. But Schumer and McConnell and Jeffries emerged from the meeting, which participants described as intense and passionate 
feeling somewhat reassured that Johnson heard their pleas. Of course he did. They bullied him. They used everything they had. And you know what? It probably didn't take much of them. They just had to look at him with the cross eyes or I don't something. Know. I'm still I'm still betting that by tomorrow night he caves and gives in completely. Oh, we're watching him like a hawk. Yeah. That's for sure. I'm I'm betting late tomorrow night. Yeah. By Friday afternoon. By Friday. By, by Friday we'll, we'll, we'll hear by the, the first. story. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yep, totally. Yeah, we'll be... But, you know, it says on here that it, Schumer says it was a productive and intense meeting. We made it clear. We made it so clear that we can't have the shutdown because it hurts so many people in so many different ways. <laughs> hey, I, I'll bet you how that shutdown meeting went. They walked in there and they told him, look, we're going to make it clear to you. We ain't shutting the government down. And that's the end of the story. Pretty because much. you know what? <laughs> shutting the government down would be a win. For, for, for Republicans. For Johnson. And you know what? We yeah. would get a new yeah. House of Representatives exactly. because of it. it. Because we would vote. Republicans would vote for you if you shut down the government or close the border. And that's the pickle that he's in because, like mm -hmm. we said yesterday, if you shut it down, those guys, you're going to lose with the Senate and the House. They're going to impeach you. But you want to know what? You'll win with the people. Right. That's who you need to be listening to. Yep. And that's the thing. If he shuts it down, then that side sends him home. If he doesn't shut him down, we send him home. That's exactly <laughs> right. One or the other. Yep. But Jeffries, who I don't even know why I'm talking about this guy, he said after the meeting that the atmosphere was intense as leaders in the room, which included Biden and Harris, they emphasize the need to avoid a government shutdown. You notice they keep talking about government shutdown. Every one of them came out and said something about government shutdown. Because the, yep. because that was the main thing they've heard, that that's what we want, a government shutdown. And they said to fund the government so we can address the needs of the American public. The American public. Don't you love the way they just, mm -hmm. yep, that's what the people want. So that, that's just one that's to watch. That's just one to watch. So we're going to be telling you about what's going on here because I guarantee you that we're going to flag it. We're going to flag February 28th, <laughs> 2024 of he's going to cave by, you said Thursday? By, by leap year night, by leap year evening. By yep. leap year evening. <laughs> he will cave. Flag. Tomorrow night. Yep. Yep. There we go. Yep. Hunter Biden's still in... He's fixing to do his closed-door deposition today. That's interesting news. Yeah, it is interesting. See how that plays out, too. I got my own bets and ideas about this. Yeah, you do. Yeah. We've already had this discussion this morning. I think we got a little heated. Because, you know, what I found out is it's transcripted. There is no recording and... No, no audio. No, no audio. No audio recording nothing. or no video recording of it. So, um, what do you think about that? Do you think that we're going to just hear bullcrap from them now because it's not transparent? Yeah, that, that's that been my problem with it. I keep asking the question, why the closed-door meeting? You know, to me, if you really want to show everybody that you're truly after what you're after in this, which is Hunter Biden being convicted of using Joe Biden to influence peddling, transparency would be the number one priority. Take him in front of everybody. Ask him these questions that you want to ask him in front of everybody. Let everybody see his response. I, I just don't. 
Well, I'm on the other side of that. I think that the Democrats love show trials. And that's exactly what they do. And if they put him out there in front of everybody, the Democrats would make a show of it. They would ignore. Oh, just ignore everything that they're asking you. You know, don't, you know, answer their questions. And you did nothing wrong. Right. You did nothing wrong the whole time. Well, here's my my stance with that, too. Put him out there. Make it a show trial. Let them go ahead and make a circus out of it because they did that with the J6 committee and you see how that worked out for them. So let them bring them out here and make a show out of it. I just don't think Hunter Biden needs to be out there like he's um, something special. He needs to be put like everybody else. There's many people that have been behind closed doors and they've done a transcripted interview. Many people, not just Hunter, you know, so... Hunter's thing was that that it could get leaked and manipulated by them. Yeah, that was his. That was his. It, and it can, but you know, in my estimation, I think that the Democrats would leak and blame it on the Republicans, and it could be vice versa. I will say that the Republicans can do the same thing. They're not um, perfect. Yeah, by no means. Yeah. So it's all a show. It's all a game. It, Every bit of it. Yeah. You know, so. What's your money on nothing will ever happen to him? Well, I'll tell you what. Emails, witness testimony, and even photos show Joe Biden met with his son's associates from two Chinese government-linked business deals and others from Mexico, Kazakhstan, Russia, and Ukraine. There is evidence that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden are on the take from foreign governments. There is evidence, and they just don't like it. Many of these interactions occurred during Joe Biden's vice presidency when he oversaw U.S. foreign policy toward these countries. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer said ahead of Hunter's testimony Wednesday that the first son's deposition would not be the final step in the inquiry. The deposition is not the conclusion of the impeachment inquiry. There are more subpoenas and witness interviews to come. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there because uh, Mr. Comer, um, I'm sorry, Representative Comer, you need to finish this up. Yeah, you've got the evidence. You've got all the evidence that you need. (laughs) I just read it. If you had that much evidence against me, you'd throw me in jail for 500 years, man. Yes, so to me, they're just, I mean, how many more months do we have? Eight months? That's exactly correct. You watch this thing drag out until... October, November. We'll probably be in World War Three by that point. Yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it'll be forgotten all about. Yep. And Hunter and Biden will be out of office because Biden is not going to win again. I guarantee you. Yep. If he does, it's because, anyway, we're not going to go there. Let's keep moving along because there are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could go way off, way off the rails on that one. But we did have something. Yeah, there's a. The big fires are happening in the Panhandle of Texas right now due to the, the, the high winds that have been blowing through there and then the change in the weather pattern. Um, the, the fires got sparked, and when they did, they just spread, and they spread fast, and, and that's a bad situation for all the people that are in the Panhandle. Oh, there, my gosh. There's six, there six different wildfires burning, and they've, they've identified them as, as being, you know, like on, on ranches and, and that kind of thing, these lands. There's the Magenta Fire. 10% contained. It's already burned 2,000 2, acres. 
And it's it's over there by Amarillo. I think it's the nearest yeah, one most to the, Amarillo. Yeah, most of the fires five are five of them in right in the Panhandle. Yeah, and they're northeast of Amarillo, oh, east of sad. Amarillo, and then the so one, many acres. and then the one at Mills Creek, which is it's up closer toward Denison. And, yeah, that's and on and the that Texas area. Oklahoma border, and there's um, been I read this morning that the um, Oklahoma fire people have been out there. Fire department, I'm sorry, has been out there helping. Trying to keep it contained. Yeah. But it's zero contained, actually, and it's 75 acres out there in Mills Creek. Then yeah. there's Grapevine Creek, which is 30,000 acres. It's 60% contained. And that one is southeast of Pampa. And then six, 687 Reamer was 2,000 acres burned. 687 Reamer. Reamer. Ranch. Yeah. Yeah, that's a ranch, yes. Zero contained, 2,000 acres burned in Hutchinson County. Yeah, and the biggest one is Smokehouse Creek, and it's 0% contained right now, and it has burned in a, a massive, massive. 300,000 acres already, burned near the town of Stennett to the, north seat, to the northeast of Lake Meredith in Hutchinson County, and it keeps spreading eastward. Man, over uh, there in Hutchinson County, they're getting it bad. Yeah, and the, uh, there's, there's already towns that the fire has completely block people off people can't come in they can't go out canadian texas is one of those places yeah um sarah fields on x said wildfires have now completely surrounded the town of canadian texas the roads have been blocked and an unknown amount of residents are trapped within the city oh my goodness yeah it's a bad deal it so everybody deal. just keep these people in your thoughts and prayers and and pray we for will. the first responders and the families man this is a bad and thing. rain Pray for rain. Yeah, and they say that there's a, a lot a snowfall predicted, I think, tomorrow. Yeah. But then after that, it turns right back warm again. The wind shift and the storm moves on. and The, the wind's still going to be blowing, though. Mm -hmm. They didn't it's say anything about hard. the wind dying down. So please say something, little prayers, send it up, and keep an eye out. We might have to be helping some, some fellow Texans here pretty quick. All right, we're going to move on to another part of Texas, a rock star. Okay, I'm going to call him a rock star. A honey over here thinks I am I have a um, a crush. Yeah, you're a fangirl. Like I'm a fangirl of Ken Paxton. But that's only because he is a winner. He secured another huge win for Texas and the country. He isn't just trying to protect Texans. Because really, what he did yesterday, Attorney General Ken Paxton, he wins a challenging $1.7 trillion federal funding bill passed unconstitutionally with less than half of U.S. Congress physically present. I don't know if you remember this bill. I remember it. It was the one that Nancy Pelosi just shoved through at the last minute before the new House came into session with the 118th Congress. And it was... Uh, during the 20, it was 2022, and it was an omnibus spending package, and it was unlawfully passed by the U.S. House of Representatives in 2022 without a quorum physically present as constitutionally required. That means they have to have so many people there in their seats to vote. Yes. And they did not have it. They didn't meet the quorum, and then they abused the proxy voting. Yes, they abused it, and yep. he caught them on it. And one, so I wonder when we're going to get our money back. <laughs> never, never. What's this going to do? I mean, You're, that money went to went to Zelensky. NGOs. Yeah, 
Zelensky, the NGOs, the cartel. Anybody, <laughs> everybody that had every, their hand out. Every, I should have been up there getting my hand out, get yeah. some of that one point seven trillion. But I'm not a cheat. Everybody like but are. us gets gets that money, right? <laughs> but the thing is, Ken Paxton has really had a rock star week because he has just this week he defends Texas law prohibiting big tech censorship at the Supreme Court of the United States. He did that on the twenty sixth. He will defend HB 20, a Texas law that prevents major social media platforms from engaging in viewpoint discrimination and censorship at the Supreme Court of the United States. So he did that on Tuesday, on, I think it was Tuesday. Yeah. And then Attorney General Kim Paxton also sues major pornography distribu- distributor for violating Texas age verification laws. I heard about this one. This is Pornhub they're going against because they do not verify age. So he has filed a lawsuit against ILO Global Entertainment, a major pornography distribution company, for violating HB 1181, a Texas law that requires reasonable age verification measures to protect minors from being exposed to obscene materials. He had a a crazy week last week, too, but we're not going to go into all that because we don't have the time for all his wins. (laughs) (laughs) But we will be talking about this. Because he really is on top of it, and yep. we're very proud. That's really what I am. I'm proud. I'm proud he's a Texan. Yep. I, know, I really I, am. And I'm proud he's as good of a person as he is, and he understands the justice system, and he, and he understands. The Constitution. Yeah. He understands. the con- he, he goes by that he's a constitutionalist. Yep. And that's what we are. So, yay, Texas, the Long Star State. You make us proud. Hey, but before we go... Man, we would be remiss if we did not mention what? The border. The border. And I got another reminder for you because this is something that we can't let get buried either. And and this is a, a tweet I, swear I read earlier this morning. Let's not forget that for the last 10 years, the CIA have been using Ukraine to build their own military force outside the scope of the U.S. military and executive control. Using taxpayer dollars under the guise of foreign aid, the CIA turned Ukraine into a giant forwarding operating base on Russia's border. Ukraine's military is the deep state army, created solely for the purpose of fighting Russia in the hopes of weakening Russia enough to overthrow Putin and install their globalist puppet, Navalny. This was their plan. It did not work. Let's not forget this. No, this is where your this. Ukraine money is going. What I find odd is they're going to send the UN military down there to help Ukraine. Okay, so if we send any of our well, it treasure would, down there to help Ukraine, we're actually helping our own army? The, the UN can say what they want, but have they paid 2% of their GDP payments yet? Have they paid their payments yet? No. So who do you think is going to go in there? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah. our military going to actually be down there with our military? Pretty much. Okay, so I'm sitting over here stunned with my <laughs> mouth like on the ground. I'm just letting you know because you can't see me. But this is this is big. This is huge. Yep. The last thing that he says here, in simple terms, the deep state took your tax dollars, used them to create a Nazi military in Ukraine, Started World War Three with Russia, then lied to you about it when they got caught. And they call that democracy. 
Yeah, it's their democracy. That's why we don't believe in democracy. Is this thing working? Rise up. Well, hey, everybody. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. And I hope you've enjoyed the show. Hope you've learned some things about what's going on around us in the nation and in your communities. You know, we couldn't do this without your continued support either. We appreciate all of you showing up, taking the time to listen to us today. So please, like I say, make sure to hit the like button, share our show with all your friends. We'll see you next time on Is This Thing Working? And as always, I'm James, and that's my lovely co-host over there. Denise. And we'll see you next time. We're out.